0: Welcome to the Inner Revolution Show, where we take a journey within to uncover the inner resources deep within our soul to transform physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. It is through this higher sense of knowing we are able to design and live our lives with purpose, compassion, and for the collective consciousness. Are you ready to start your own inner revolution? Come with me. Revolution everyone and welcome back Yet for another amazing show As you know in our previous show We kicked off season 3 And I'm really excited about this season I have some of the best guests that I have Booked yet to date and also Some are my near and dear Friends who I feel that I am just in complete alignment with. And as this dear friend said to me today, we could probably talk for hours, which I would love to do. But for tonight, we'll just give you one hour of an amazing show. And who is on tonight? We have the beautiful Helen Hillocks. And I'll introduce her here in a minute, but if you are new to the Inner Revolution show, I just remind you to go ahead to iTunes, go ahead and subscribe to the show. Those of you who have watched the show and listened to the show in the past, please go ahead and fill out a beautiful rating card for us so that we can keep doing this amazing work. And if you've yet to go ahead and subscribe to my YouTube channel, go ahead and look me up there under Inner Revolution or Dr. Renee, and you will find the show. And so we're going to go ahead and get started to. Today, our guest is the beautiful Helen Hillick. She is an intuitive counselor, licensed therapist with 35 years of experience supporting her clients to heal past traumas and limiting beliefs and supporting them to catapult forward to lives of joy, connection, and adventure. Helen uses her powerful intuitive gifts and processes to dive deep and move quickly. She works with clients all over the world via video conferencing. And I met this beautiful woman on Instagram where I seem to meet the most beautiful people in the entire world. And I am going to go ahead and get her on the line now. Hi, Helen. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the Inner Revolution.
1: Well, thank you, Renee. It's so interesting. I, I know I messaged you about this on Instagram, but I was part of a community, a spiritual activist community called org for decades. And so, wow. Welcome to the Inner Revolution feels like I am completely home with you. Aww.
0: Good. Well, we are so glad to have you here. And, you know, it's really amazing because my organization, my foundation is called My Inner Evolution. But one of the things that I started with was really, truly understanding that before we can evolve, we have to revolve, right? And we have to revolt and we have to go within and we have to go in and do the work that we need to do deep within the recesses of ourselves. And sometimes it doesn't feel good and never to be afraid, right? Because anytime time we're getting close to making a breakthrough, I've always felt the worst feeling in the entire world before that amazing sense of bliss. So I know that you do some amazing work as well. So for our listeners who may be new to you as well, can you let us know how you sort of got yourself started in this work um, and a little bit more about yourself? Well, thank you. I'd love to. Um, I had a, a
1: kind of a painful, youthful experience for, you know, I was Raised in Missouri and, you know, relatively progressive. My, both of my parents were university professors. My dad, mm. psychology, my mom, art and painting. But when I got to be in college and even in high school, you know, I was part of the quote unquote sexual revolution, which mm. I don't know whether it was a revolution or not, or we were just pretending, but I, <laughs> I you know, got into a lot of painful experiences and, I felt a lot of shame about those years and, and then I went on to college and graduate school and you know became a licensed marriage and family therapist and I thought you know all of that would be behind me, but I remember after I got all of my degrees and my you know internship and had started a private practice, even I was happily married at the time, I bought a beautiful home. I loved my career. And I just remember waking up one day and thinking, is, is this all there is? You know, yeah. is this it? I was looking around at my beautiful home and my handsome husband. And, and I just had this feeling, you know, is this all there is? And right around that same time, a friend of mine, you know, introduced me to this spiritual teacher, Beth Green. And I said, you know, with this feeling that I was having, I was ready to explore and do something new. And that was really my inner revolution, the beginning of my inner revolution. I was 36 years old, and I just started on this journey of uh, exploration and spiritual activism and all the things that you mentioned in your opening, which I loved. You know, wanting Mm -hmm. to be a contribution to the evolution of collective consciousness, wanting to dive deep and heal the shame and trauma of my own past and learn skills. One of which is intuitive counseling. You know, that's where I learned intuitive counseling was with Beth. And it's the, you know, it's about connecting deeply within myself and clearing out all the stuff like you were mentioning before we can make an evolution of our lives and contribute to the evolution of the planet we get to do it with ourselves first. Yes. And, you know, in order to do intuitive counseling, you have to be a, a clear vessel, so to speak. Yeah. And I could talk more about that, but I, I just want to stop there and then we can kind of interact. But that was, my, that was my beginning, was having this feeling like there's got to be more to life than this, because even though I have everything that you're supposed to want, I didn't.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of the guests we've had on the show and also in my own work, I think many of us come to that point of emptying the vessel, right? And and really needing to put it all out there in front of us and observe it and look at it. And my post today on Instagram, I even mentioned this and, and healing of the heart. And I know that, and we'll go ahead and sort of give a big plug to an event that we're going to be doing this summer together, which I'm really excited about, but we're going to be Talking about sexuality and I know that there are so many things that you and I could talk about but I felt it was such an important one because we really truly connected on that that topic and it's one where I think it's still so taboo for people and you know as you said you were in the sexual revolution I was born in the 70s and grew up in the 80s (laughs) and um, you know I think about the 80s was a cognitive revolution right and and as we got into 2000, we, we became the emotional revolution. And now we're starting to become that really spiritually divine revolution time, right, where people are wanting more, as you said, wanting to be, you know, either emptying it all and being of nothing or seeing themselves as everything as they already are. But the one aspect I've heard come up so many times for clients is aspects to shame, aspects to guilt aspects to deep, profound trauma and hurt. Um, And it wasn't always an abuser necessarily, but it came from a lacking self-love. So, you know, can you talk a little bit about the event that's coming up this summer? And then we'll talk a little bit more about some of the topic.
1: Wonderful. The event is a, a tele-summit of 21 experts on the topic of sex and spirituality, passionate intimacy without shame. And it's going to be released in a month or so, and Dr. Renee is going to be one of those 21 Yay! experts. Yeah, and we're they're <laughs> all going to be talking about sacred sexuality and what does that mean, and why do we long for it, and and some very down to earth step by step tools. Um, and every one of the experts is going to be offering a free gift that mm-hmm. just by listening to the to the uh, series you will get that a free gift from every every single expert and they're going to be powerful you know checklists and videos and how-tos and all kinds of tools for you so I'm so excited and I've begun interviewing people already and it's such a powerful experience I know you have this experience too Renee that when you're interviewing people you're learning so much yourself yeah oh god yeah
0: Yeah, I mean, it's just amazing, isn't it? You think that you have gotten to a space in life, and then that one thing is said, and you realize, wow, I'm a student again. And I love that moment. I absolutely thrive in that moment. Um, And sometimes it's from people half my age, right? (laughs) And it's so beautiful to kind of experience (laughs) that.
1: Yeah, I would say, yeah. say most of the people on Instagram are half my age.
0: <laughs> so, <laughs> I boy. know. I thought about that last year when I made the jump from Facebook to Instagram. I was like, I'm too old, you know. I'm like, what what are people going to want to listen to me for? What do they want? What are they going to do? And then I was surprised, right? And and I know you have a beautiful following as well. And I think that what people are really looking for is wisdom. Right. People are really looking for for guidance now on not how to be anymore, but really how to unravel and and let go of a lot of the things. And and I know in relation to sexuality, even in my own past, um, there was there was trauma, there was hurt, you know, and it is hard to to go on because as I was writing my book, I had this moment, Helen, it was it was chapter four. I had my meltdown. And my book is only five chapters. Now, it doesn't, people always say, is that why you stopped at five? I said, no, you know, I'm really about synchronicity. And I knew I was going to be five, 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 five chapters, five themes, um, five, you know, guides in my book, things like that. But overall, when I got to chapter four, it was my sort of release, let it all go, facing myself as I was truly in that moment. And I remember when my father passed away and he's in chapter one in my book, I remember just losing myself and really just, you know, not loving myself enough and yearning for love from other people and, you know, that kind of stuff and feeling this immense amount of shame from detaching from myself in a way and, and looking for love in other places outside of myself, many of which men, you know, took advantage of me and abused me and, you know, all sorts of things. Right. And, I was like, why did I put myself in that place? And I felt horrible. I mean, I had this meltdown. And then I had that beautiful moment where I remembered, thank God for the love of my life now, who has shown me that I had to go through all of that to be here. There was no way I was going to cut any corners. There's no way I could jump over any hurdle. I can't even go under it. I went through everything to get where I am. And so I'm wondering you know, in the work that you're doing, you know, what stories, what revelations are your clients coming to in relation to this aspect of shame, particularly related to sexuality?
1: Well, I want to I want to start. I want to answer that in two parts. You know, mm-hmm. one of them one of them is my understanding of kind of the original feeling of shame, usually starts. I mean, I could say universally, but I'm sure there are exceptions. But we know as children that we are a burden to our parents because we don't, we just take. And and there's nothing wrong with that. That's the way it is, right? But, Right. but, But often we're picking up how tired our parents are, how hard they work for us you know, how they have no time for themselves, you know, and maybe they're bickering between each other or whatever it is, whatever the circumstances, the child ends up feeling and being aware that they are a burden to their parents. And it's to me, that is the original feeling of shame is that I'm not pulling my weight. And depending again on the family that we're born into, we either overcome that by feeling totally entitled and that creates one set of problems in the in their later life, or they feel like you know I've got to make myself indispensable so that I can feel like i'm not a burden, yeah, which leads to a whole other set of of problems, but I wanted to just share that because I think that we grow up just intrinsically feeling shame and then and then enter into the sexual world and and the world at large teaches us so many different and conflicting messages that, you know, you're supposed to be sexy, right? You're, you're not a real woman if you're not sexy and sexy Mm. is in a very limited uh, range of description. Right. Right. And so we, we are taught that in order to be loved and wanted, and I was wondering this about when your father died, you know, did, did that catapult you into the arms of lots of men who didn't love you? My father left early in my life. And that definitely was a a motivation uh, in a negative way for me to look for love in all the wrong places. So, you know, I'm already feeling like uh, a shame that my father didn't love me enough to stay. And, you know, that compounded that feeling like a burden. And so then I went about trying to make myself indispensable to men by you know pleasing all their sexual desires and and coupled with the society telling you that you've got to be sexy in order to be wanted by a man and you have to be wanted by a man to be worthy as a woman mm. so you know it's just like all of these messages and then of course yeah. you do things you don't want to do and you have sex with men that you don't really love they you don't feel safe with them they're not cherishing you And so Mm -hmm. what does that lead to, of course, is more shame. Yeah. So people come to me in all different levels of shame. Men who take advantage of women, they have shame. It's not just women who have shame about sex. Men have shame about sex. Our society is very pornographically skewed. Yeah, Um, absolutely. Pardon?
0: I said absolutely.
1: Yeah, I mean, pornography is... I believe the biggest business in the world, I think they say. Uh, and this was years ago I heard this about. It was by far the most lucrative business on the Internet is pornography. And, of course, young boys now have access to that. And so they're just brought up with all these. Uh, and it's not just men who, who look at pornography. Some women do too, but it's predominantly men. And, and that again, that's just because they're taught that. They're taught that you're, you're not a real man if you don't constantly want sexual stimulation. So it's all these cultural messages that contribute to the shame that we may have already grown up with. And so men look at pornography and then they often can't perform in the bedroom or they don't find their wives attractive anymore because they don't look like a porn star. So yeah. it's, it's all these amazing problems that come from society and it's not even our fault. You know, we didn't ask to be taught these messages, but they we are bombarded by them all day long. So so you know, the people who come to me for healing, you know, are are sick of that. They are sick of feeling the shame of not being woman enough or on the other side for the man of of not being wanted by his wife the way the porn star wants him in his imagination. And all these other issues, you know, the, the woman may have been rejected by some guys earlier, and so she's very needy of the guy, and he may feel overwhelmed by her needs and feel incompetent to, to meet them. And the, the, the issues can just go on and on and on. And so, the first thing I want to say to the audience about having sacred sexuality is to redefine sexuality and get it away from this very narrow genital focus that we have. Mm-hmm. And, and, and broaden it to realizing that sexuality is really the sacred exchange of energies, the, the sacred sharing of energies, because we're, the energy really is coming from the universe through our bodies all the time. And we are, right. we are really connecting in the oneness when we are doing sacred sexuality. And it doesn't even have to be genital. It may not end up being genital, but it's a very sacred and powerful and intense energetic connection. Um, I, I want to do a little side note in that. Mm-hmm. This is something I'm hearing from a lot of the experts, uh, the sex and sexuality experts that I have already interviewed. And that is that we get to redefine sexuality as being an energy of connection. Yeah. Synergy. Yes. Exactly. And it can happen. It can happen. (laughs) One of my people, I I love this. She said, one of my friends bought a brand new gorgeous stove and I felt so sexually attracted to the stove.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's (laughs) amazing
1: love that do. Because um. it's true. It's another it's another configuration of chi just like I am. Yeah. And and yeah. if we are all elements of the oneness, you know, of course we're going to be longing to connect. And you know, it's a continuum. It's not just one thing. You know, sexuality is a continuum of all the different kinds of connection you know we feel sexual energy with our children just because we have that longing to connect with them or or with our or with our stove as she said so i love the, the liberation of redefining yes. sexuality as that sacred energetic connection with all things in life
0: yes and you know i love that you bring that up because I have um, a woman that I follow. I won't mention her name uh, just out of confidentiality, whatever. But but overall, she has a huge following. And she lives in the Middle East, um, but in a more progressive area in the Middle East. And she was criticized for kissing the mouth of her son. And she posted a little response from Instagram that said, please stop kissing the mouth of your son. That is disgusting. He's going to grow up and have all these issues, yada, yada, yada. And, you know, she, of course, knew better and, you know, said it was it was her right to, you know, love her son as she wishes. She didn't feel she was doing anything inappropriate. And she wants her son. Obviously, in Arabic cultures, they men kiss men and kiss both cheeks and sometimes kiss lips. And, you know, there's a lot of cultural things that people just don't understand. And it's so easy to judge when we're uncomfortable. And the more important thing I always tell people is ask yourself why you're uncomfortable. Not why do you think what she's doing, but why are you uncomfortable with it? Because as you said, you know, we faced a sexual revolution, you know, over 50 years ago already. And yet we're still challenged by these ideas. And here was the other thing, I wanted to get your feedback on this. My daughter is a tween beautiful, very um, opinionated, you know, finding her voice, young woman in the world today. I love her her to pieces. And she has been revolting against dresses, skirts, you know, anything of the sort. And she even said to me yesterday, mommy, I wish I could wear hoodies in the summer. And I said, I know it's a little hard because it's hot. She said, but I would wear it. And I know deep down, being intuitive, right, she's not saying it because she's unhappy with her body. She's saying it because she wants to cherish her body. And it was really very nice to kind of hear her say that. And I didn't revolt against it. I didn't like, oh, you know, you should show off your body more often, this or that. I mean, she's 10, for God's sakes, but also she doesn't want to. And she makes comments all the time about how she doesn't want to be married. And, of course, older people near her are always like, oh, you'll change your mind. Oh, this, this, and that. And I think, again, this is what what happened on my last show. We were talking about redefining masculinity. And I think that we have somehow got lost in tradition, somehow got lost in whatever it is related to us that we have forgotten to evolve in this aspect, right? We have gotten stuck, somehow gotten stuck. So what do you tell your clients um, as far as, you know, beyond redefining sexuality, you know, what are some things that you suggest to them to try to get over that hurdle of, of facing and feeling that shame?
1: Well, it's interesting. The first thing
0: I wanted to respond to is about your daughter saying that. Mm-hmm. To you.
1: And I think it's so important for people to be curious about each other. Be curious about what does your daughter feel about her body, and, and does she want to cover it up, or is she, you know, I mean, she wouldn't probably be able to articulate the fact that she's afraid of her burgeoning sexuality, but that often happens, too, at, at, around that age, as children are beginning to be aware of sexual feelings, and they don't know what to do mm-hmm. with them, and so they, they're kind of afraid of them. And right. if we if we can remember to be curious about each other and to help our children to uh, be expressing their feelings on every level, sexually included, and that there's no shame in any kind of feeling, that it would that would be a complete
0: inner revolution, wouldn't it? <laughs> oh my God, yes, yes, yeah. and you know she. And I, we've had some interesting conversations. I remember there was a point where she wasn't like bathing very much anymore. And I kind of said, Hey, what happened to the (laughs) baths?
1: You know, (laughs) like,
0: why why aren't we getting in the tub? And she's like, "Ah, I don't know. And, and I realized that was the time where her dad had, recognized I had missed it that she needed a bra and you know was starting to bud and I was so mad at myself that I missed it and her dad a man was the one who kind of noticed some things and and I said how did I miss that and I said are you uncomfortable do you and she said mommy I wish I looked more like you and I said what do you mean you're beautiful you're divine like this this and that and I recognized and that, like you said in that moment There were things that were shifting on her body. She wasn't quite sure, you know, were they okay? Were they not okay? Is this how they're supposed to be? And we just spent probably two or three showers after that. I said, can I help you? I wasn't in the shower or anything like that. But even if I was, you know, God bless parents, whatever. But, you know, I was there just telling her, you know, use these things here and this thing here, and this is how you do this for this part of your skin. And it was a whole different experience and it was beautiful. And I never got that. I never got that. Here's a funny story too, and I'll let you answer what I asked you originally because I like you said this is, this is girlfriends talking. We're going to get carried away, right? But um, well, when, but when I started,
1: I love started, what you're sharing. Oh, so powerful, so important. Yeah.
0: And I, when I started my period in sixth grade, I literally thought I was dying. I thought somebody had, somebody must've shot me and I didn't remember it. Somebody must've hurt me because I had no clue what was even happening to my body because my mother, you know, she had a lot of trauma as a young woman and um, something related to sexuality in some way, shape or form. And, you know, really in her, I think most innocent way tried to get us to not get involved in things sexually but by doing so she created a sense of fear you know like it was a bad thing oh my god something might happen to you this is this or that and we just didn't even have those those beautiful common conversations because they were too painful for my mom to have and so I make sure now you know whatever Liv asks or anything comes up you know we talk in a non- you know, judgmental way way that doesn't make her feel bad about anything or embarrassed because you know how tweens are they get embarrassed very quickly. Um, yes. You know those kinds of things too, and it's been really wonderful. Um, my son now is at the point he's eight. You know he doesn't want me in the bathroom at all, right? Um, but you right. know it was one of those where I was like, okay, that's fine. I respect that. I respect it. And I think again, parents have such old ways of thinking about things based on how we were taught and also what we yearned for and I just remember thinking to myself I didn't even know anything about anything and I just don't want my children to know that you know to to feel that way so I'll let you go back to your discussion before well I
1: I I really appreciate what you're saying Renee and I want to encourage parents that not every parent is going to have the confidence to talk to their children about sexuality but but there are so many beautiful resources today to help you with that. Whatever your belief system is, I have a very devout Christian family that I'm working with right now who is, you know, the father's going through a, a workbook about sexuality. And I, I just said, as long as they're not shaming him for, for self-pleasure and self-exploration, you know, I don't care what other things they're, they're looking at. But but that is incredibly important to prevent shame, because you know he's probably already masturbating, and so yeah. you know don't make it don't make him feel guilty the way you were made to feel guilty about that. Just guide him, guide him in that that can be a very spiritual process also. So I, I just wanted to to say that that any parents out there who are not comfortable talking to their children, don't don't let that be an impediment to your providing them with some information that is in alignment with your own beliefs. Uh, okay. You know, look for it. There, there are just tons of, tons of resources out there. Um, so, I, you know, I think your question, if I'm remembering correctly, was <laughs> about, you know, what do I tell my clients about yeah. shame and how, and how do I begin to help them unravel all of that and you know I would say that this is partly where intuition comes into play and I know you're very intuitive also very often uh, I will have a client come onto the computer screen because that's how I see almost all my clients and and an image will just come to my mind I'm not even trying for an image to come to my mind but I it just reminds me of a new client I had recently. And I said, I see you as a little boy and you're covering yourself, you know, some, some man is hurting you. And he said, you know, he went into his whole story about, you know, that's my father and he was an alcoholic and he was abusive. And, you know, I felt so much shame because I was weak and, I kowtowed to him and I couldn't protect myself. And, you know, it just went on into, into a whole description of, of his childhood. And one of the things that, one of the, the techniques that I use that is so powerful is to to do what I call kind of, it's, it's a regressive redo in mm-hmm. which I have the, the client bring with them someone or something that makes them feel safe and powerful. And sometimes they bring me with them. Sometimes they bring a teddy bear. Sometimes it's an Indian shaman or Jesus or whomever or whatever, whatever helps yes. them to feel empowered. And we go back to the, the source of their trauma and shame and actually redo the situation step by step by step until they have a completely different experience of that situation and, and they feel empowered and safe within themselves and bring that back through, you know, integrating it into their being until they have replaced that old experience with a new one. And it's, you know, it's really a magical experience, very powerful. And because there really is no time and space it actually is a real replacement because they energetically feel that new experience in their bodies in their minds and in their spirits so it it, it can happen we can heal and release those old traumas and those old shames and and it's not like a one shot deal where okay you have one session and you're done because right. we you know this i mean we have many many traumas and many experiences that leave us with shame you know abortions uh, i mean just so many but but the hopeful side is there is absolutely something that you can do about it
0: absolutely yeah and and it's so beautiful that you're talking about all these resources and and again i think one of the things that we know to be true about evolving is the more that we move toward the assistance that we need, the asking for help, the willingness to be vulnerable in the most uncomfortable circumstances, and talking about sexuality, I'm sure is one for many, will only lead to the evolution of your spirit, of your soul. It will free you from whatever it was that you've had over you for so long. And, you know, I love this. I love that we're talking more about this. I love that we're being more open about these things. I, I agree with you from earlier today about, you know, the, the worry about pornography um, and just the the issues that come as a result of it. You know, it isn't that there should be any shame from anyone who wants to seek it. But again, it's about why are we seeking it in the first place? Right. And again, there's always some underlying need or underlying wound, as you mentioned there before. And, you know, I'm sure I can imagine at this point, there's probably nothing you haven't heard. Would that be fair to say? Probably. (laughs) Yeah, me too. You know, when you, yeah you get those clients who think they're going to shock you when they start talking about bondage and things like that, and I'm like, mm, nope, not surprised. you know it's like you know they're like, oh really i I just thought you would be you know and I said, nope, I've heard it all i've 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 experienced a lot through my clients and and their stories, and you know it's amazing how much once one opens up how much can be released, as you said, and just freed from their soul and and the ability to go on. But I wanted to talk, because I know we're getting lower on our time here, but um, one of the things I had mentioned to you was that we, in our foundation, have been developing some more work in relation to talking to young people more about sexuality, and particularly as we are trying to get them to understand the ethical responsibility of not engaging um, in sex at times in their lives when the desire is to do so. And it isn't that they should feel shame for not doing so, but that sometimes, right, the the ability to transform ourselves through the withholding of sexual energy can be quite powerful um, versus just putting our imprint out in the world everywhere. Because I think many kids often forget you know, even though we're experiencing, even though we're exploring and we're allowing these free wills of our body, every time we have a sexual encounter with someone else, we imprint upon their, their being. And, you know, that's a, a really, really huge responsibility to me um, from a soul perspective that I see show up 2030. 40 years later in people's lives. And so if we can talk to the youth about this today, it's not always about withholding or not having sex at all, but it's just about being far more spiritually responsible. And that's something we're working on. And I know G's been doing a lot of discussions with young men in India today, you know, when they get to that point of, Oh, I'm feeling these things and I'm not quite sure. And, you know, this, this and that, and, and seeing them kind of do that. Have you worked with any, you know, um, much younger people um, these days? And, and what are they sort of talking about in relation to sexuality? Well, it's such a powerful
1: conversation. Uh, I don't even know where to begin. I, I, I'll i start <laughs> with, I used to, uh, I used to have a teenage girls group that I absolutely loved And, of course, one of the topics was sexuality and whether they should be engaging in sexuality and what do they think it means to have sex, even. Mm. I I remember one young girl, maybe 16 years old or so, maybe 17, but uh, no older than that, um, was talking about how she was still a virgin and... I said, well what does that mean to you? And she says, Well, it means that I haven't had vaginal intercourse. And I said, Well, what about anal intercourse? Oh yeah, I've done that, but that but I'm still a virgin. Oh. And Mm. you know, I think so I think it's it's so important. One of the things that we again that we talk about is, you know, what is sex really? And I can't tell you how many young people have said, No, I've never had sex. But they've had orgasms. They just haven't had, you know, penile penetration is the only thing they haven't had. Uh, So, you know, kids, if they're going to find a way to, you know, have these experiences and we need to stop, you know, I feel like we get to stop pretending that kids aren't sexual and we, we get to start teaching them exactly what you were saying, not only how to abstain from sex, but how to have sex with consciousness. And, you yeah. know, before, I, before I ever even was, was really into the consciousness movement, I would tell my teen clients, you know, you have to be incredibly mature to really know how to be in a sexual relationship. And, yeah. and you're not, you are not that mature. You know, what if you get pregnant? You know, what if you have, you know, a a sexually transmitted disease or whatever? What if you break that person's heart and they commit suicide? I mean, that sounds pretty extreme, but I totally agree with you about we get to realize that we have a powerful impact on one another. And our society, again, teaches us to be so self-centered. And so ego dominated that, you know, that a lot of people will say, I don't care. That's their responsibility to take care Mm -hmm. of that. That's not my fault. I was just doing what came naturally. And it's like, nobody wants to realize that we are one. And that if you, you know, we are not just our brother's keepers. We are our brother's. And if you exactly. hurt this young girl, you are hurting yourself because she is part of the collective of which you are a part. And so it's like this is, to me, this is what you were talking about when you were saying that there's a spiritual revolution happening, is that we are finally beginning to understand. Some people are and some people aren't, but it's there is a definite movement in the direction of realizing that we are one and that we cannot Hurt another without hurting ourselves, and we cannot hurt ourselves without hurting others, because yeah. that's so often an excuse too. Is you know, well, you know, I I can kill myself or I can do drugs or whatever. I'm not hurting anybody else, but you are, because exactly. we are all in this together. You know, and global warming has really brought that home in a very visceral way, hasn't it?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, absolutely. So I,
1: I love what you're saying about that we get to bring consciousness to our children and a lot more conversation, a lot more support, and, you know, a lot more guidance in terms of, uh, again, I don't know what your thoughts are about masturbation, but what, what I and my husband talked to, to his, my stepson about when he was like, you know, 11 or 12 was, that, you, that there's nothing wrong with self-pleasuring, that God gave us those feelings, you know, not just to be suppressed, but to explore and to engage ourselves and to love ourselves and to feel, but, and you're going to feel the best about it if you feel like it's a connection between you and the universe, that yeah, when you're self pleasuring, you are you are enhancing a connection between you and the universe that is sacred in itself, and that establishes a a definition and an experience of sacred sexuality from the very beginning. And you know, we mm-hmm. talked to him about pornography because my husband used to be addicted to pornography, and and he knows the pain of that and how that hurt him, and. So you know, and his prior in the relationship with with my stepson's mom, you know, it was a big issue, and and yeah. it always it you know if, if one person is using it alone to self pleasure, and it you know it it becomes very damaging. So if you can teach the young people that that you know in your experiences of self pleasure include God or your great spirit, you know, collective consciousness, however you think of it, include yourself in that experience, feel like you are having sex with the universe and that establishes your ability to have sacred sexuality right from the start.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's a beautiful way of thinking of it. I mean, we've, we've been taught to feel so much shame you know, of of touching our bodies and trying to think about what's going on and, and those kinds of things when we're really young. And, and, you know, having been an educational psychologist and having worked in middle schools and high schools and school districts, you know, it, it is something that no one will ever talk about, but you can tell you know the children who are struggling with some aspect related to their own development and and you know that has to be something that's going through their minds and we have to break that stigma that having the conversation means they're going to go and do something it doesn't mean that right having the conversation just no, do. means consciously consciously equipping our children with information and an acceptance not necessarily permission but an acceptance that you know what i feel and what i think is is normal and i.e. however we want to define that in air quotes right and that what i am trying to determine more so than the willingness for you to tell me to go ahead and go have sex is the willingness and connection for an invisible string to be formed between the two of us right and a loving bond as mother and daughter or father and son or you know whatever um, between caregiver and child and that they i love that you said this you said this several times today helen and i want to just say thank you for it Feeling safe. I think there is such a huge responsibility with sexuality today that rests in one simple thing, and that's safety. And I could not figure out all of my life why the men that I had been with previously couldn't hear my scream. My scream was always, just make me feel safe. That's all I need from you. All I ever need from you was to feel safe. And none of them prior to my love now could ever make me feel safe, not just sexually, just in life, right? Because if I don't feel safe in life, how am I going to want to jump in the bed and feel safe there? Because I can't discern the difference between the two. And I never could understand. And then I remembered as I got older and the work I was doing that they were wounded. They didn't feel safe themselves. There was no way that they could help me feel safe when they didn't feel safe. And so, I think as sexual partners, as loving partners, we have such a responsibility to helping each other feel safe. Even if it's one person saying, "Hey, I got this fantasy. I don't even know what I want to do with this thing, but I got this fantasy," and they can speak it. You're not going to go, "Oh my God, I, I can't. Oh, I could never do that." You go, "Oh, that's really interesting. That's really interesting." Right. No, oh, I, right so you know talk, agree. talk a little more about that uh, you know in relation to what you were talking about in safety because that is so so true well
1: I I think uh, I really appreciate what you're saying and I too had the experience of never really feeling safe with my other partners but I do with yeah. my husband now and it, yeah you know I'm having the best sex of my life at mm-hmm. 16 years old because I feel safe with my husband and I feel bonded to my husband, I think those two yeah. things are incredibly important. And but I want to say something else too that I, while he certainly has uh, provided a, a a safe experience for me, I am really the one that has provided the safe experience for myself in that I trust myself now. If there's something oh, that feels, yeah, there's yeah. something that feels off. And I know you're, I know you're the same, Renee. That if something feels off, I know I can trust myself to say so now. You know, it, while in, this is such a powerful thing, too, in terms of having sacred sexuality, we are not taught that if something feels off in your connection, just stop. Just say, hey, I'm not feeling it anymore, or uh, something happened, can we just take a moment and gaze into each other's eyes, and or maybe we'll stop altogether and spoon for a few minutes, and maybe that'll be the end of it. But it's it's the, the trust is developed in our own ability to take care of ourselves in the situation. And then, of course, we are going to choose a trustworthy partner who can do the same, who can say his side of it and who wants to hear my side of it but it has to start with me being safe inside myself and I know
0: I know you agree with that yeah yeah absolutely beautiful beautiful the work always starts within. Hence, seeing a revolution. See, we made a full circle, my friends. We made a full circle, circle right there. Right yeah.
1: the circle. And the is complete.
0: Li- I was going to say, and the Lion King is coming back out. So it's perfect. The circle of life. Here we go. <laughs> yes, so, yes. You know, and we're. Get- I can't believe that we're already out of time here. So you know, thinking about the work that you've been doing, I always ask this question. You know, what is the footprint that you want to leave? on this world through the work that you're doing?
1: Well, I love that question. And honestly, it it really, it brings me to tears almost Mm -hmm. because I am so passionate about leaving the world a better place than I came into it. And to me, that's all about exactly what your opening says. It's about making a contribution to the collective consciousness. It's about spreading compassion and spreading love, helping people heal so that they can feel liberated from the pain of the past. And yes. that's, that's the legacy that I want to to leave is one of an open-hearted healing experience for people so that they can connect to that higher consciousness and feel the blessing that they are to the earth and that they can be even more of a blessing because they are liberated from their shame and self-hatred and they can become more and more a gift to others and spread that kind of impact that they want to spread. So that's what I want to leave. And that's what I work every day to give to others and to have flow through me because I know the gifts that I have are not mine. They are from the universe. And yeah. I feel grateful that I am the conduit.
0: Beautiful, beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you, my friend, for being here with us today. This has been an amazing conversation, and I know it's something that we definitely need far more time. So, actually, I would love to invite you to come back um, on the end revolution, if you would be happy to be okay. here, and we could, we could chat I further, you. You know, especially after now the that summer. I figured event. Out
1: the, now that i figured out the technology, I would uh-huh. love to come
0: back. Oh, hey, you know, I'm still figuring out the studio, but this is so much fun. I love every minute of it. So, Helen, can you tell everybody, if they want to reach out to you, how they can find you?
1: Well, my email is Helen at HelenHillix.com. My website is very simple, HelenHillix.com, and that's H-I-L-L-I-X. And you can find me on Facebook, on Instagram, on YouTube, all at Helen Hillix. So I'm all over the place, and uh, please do look out for the uh, summit that's coming in a month or so, because you will love to hear what all the sex and spirituality experts have to say way more wisdom than I have. I mean, some of them actually blew my mind and Mm -hmm. I consider myself to be a pretty uh, progressive kind of person, but there's some mind blowing wisdom coming. So, and I want to thank you so much for, All that you do, Renee, all Mm -hmm. of the beautiful messages that you put out, the wonderful lives that you offer people, the incredible healing that you are offering the world. I am in awe and admiration of your loving consciousness, and I look forward to many years of connecting, and I'm so happy that
0: you found your soulmate. Oh, thank you so much, my dear friend. I feel like you're a sister, so you are forever and ever connected to me with our invisible string, so thank you. It's been such a blessing to get to know you. Thank you for the beautiful work that you are doing, and everyone be sure to keep an eye on her social media so that you can get some information about that event coming up this summer. I will also be posting that since I'm participating in it, so if you want to DM me for for further information, please feel free to do that. So thank you again, Helen, for being with us today. Thank you. I love you and have a wonderful day. And thank you to all the listeners. And I hope your journey is full of love and adventure. Oh, thank you so much, and everyone, thank you for joining us again for another amazing show here in the Inner Revolution. We will be back again next week. Season three is picking up. We have a fabulous, fabulous guest coming up next week. I'll throw some sneak peeks of my story as I always do. But for now, this is Dr. Renee, and for Helen Hillocks, we say thank you and go forward and start your own Inner Revolution. Thank you for listening to the Inner Revolution Radio Show. If you haven't already done so, check us out on iTunes. And also check out our website at www.transcendentheart.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at life. Have yourself an amazing week.